Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And um, I had this verse in my notes on last Wednesday night, but we never really made it uh, to this verse. And um, you don't have to look far in any page of the Bible to find uh, a mention of the word faith. And um, as we continue our study on the subject, this will be a good place, I think, for us to start tonight. So Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Okay? Now, as I meditate Scriptures, and I'm sure as you meditate Scriptures, like to do is, well, if this is true, then the opposite of this, you know, is it true? So if it's impossible to please him without faith, um, the opposite of that would be that we can please him with faith. Um, if, if it's impossible for you or me to please God apart from faith, then... Um, it sounds to me like uh, faith is really important to him. And one of the master keys to life is for you and me to make his priorities our priorities. Uh, let me say that another way. If it's important to God, make it important to you. <laughs> Amen. If it's not important to him, then um, I would recommend you just move on. Um, and so, obviously, life is choice-driven and, and priorities and things of this nature. Now, as I study more and more and as the Holy Spirit is teaching me more and more on the subject of faith, I've always believed and thought and understood that it was important. Um, to be honest with you, I, I had no idea how vital and how important it really is to the life that God created us to live. And this verse, I think, really captures the essence of that. I mean, if you didn't know what this verse says, and I told you that there's something that if you don't have and if you don't operate in, it will make it impossible for you to please God, I think you'd be interested in knowing what that thing is because, again, you're here on a Wednesday night. Clearly, I believe that signifies you're interested in pleasing Him, living a life that pleases Him. And I, I think, you know, when we look at a lot of answers, I think that just the average religious, you know, what do they call it, instead of Christianity, churchianity, or just the average kind of nominal Christian or religiously minded person, if you said, fill in the blank, it's impossible to please God without blank, I obviously have not taken a scientific poll on this, but I believe most people would put obedience in there. In the sense that they think, well, you know, you just got to do what God says, you got to do what God says, you got to do what God says. You realize there's a lot of people who do what God says, but they don't do it by faith. They do it out of fear. See, that's one of the, that's one of the things that, amen, you know, I know a lot of you come here from other places, a lot of you are here while... Um, your 
participating in, in the program at the foundry and things of that nature. And then you'll, once you complete that season of your life, you'll go back home. Blake Brazil reached out to us from Hawaii um, tonight. You know, he was part of this family of faith for a while. And, and so, you know, just please watch out for pastors that use fear and guilt and shame and condemnation to try to motivate you to do right. Um, any kind of obedience that comes as a result of, of being afraid of God or, or fear of the Lord is different from being afraid of Him. Guilt, shame, condemnation, sh being shamed into doing it, being made to feel guilty if you don't. None of this pleases God. None of this pleases God. It's faith that pleases Him. And when you look even in the, in the New Testament, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, the two people that Jesus said had the greatest faith you could probably make a case for them being the roughest people in, in the sense one was a, a centurion, a Roman soldier, a man of war, a man of blood. The other was a Canaanite woman. And when Jesus said that you don't give the children's bread to dogs, those people live like dogs. I mean, Jesus wasn't just trying to slight her or, or you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, how those people lived and what they did and... and, and and, and those kinds of things. So I'm not saying morality and ethics and obedience. I'm not saying that, that that's unimportant. So if you go out of here saying Pastor Mark said that, you're wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have that without faith, <laughs> again, it's impossible to please him without faith. And there's a lot of people who do a lot of things in the name of God, but it's, there's, there's ulterior motives. And God sees through that. Amen. He knows that. All right. So I, maybe I spent too much time on that. But I'm just saying the importance of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, must believe that, that, that He is God. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Again, if you didn't know this verse, if I was to ask you, you know, what are the two things you must believe? <laughs> I'm not sure. Obviously, you must believe that God exists. God is. But I'm not sure that, that very many folks who didn't know this verse would get the second part of this. But God said it is an absolute must that you believe He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What is He saying there? He wants you to believe that anything, any effort you put towards knowing Him and understanding Him, and, and loving Him, and fellowshipping Him, that it will be wildly rewarded. That it will always be worth your while. It will always be worth your time. You may, you may not immediately connect, you know, something you do for Him with the reward. Sometimes the rewards are immediate. Sometimes He gives you the reward before you do it because He knows you will. And then other times, praise God, it, it's, it's on down the road a little bit. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Now, the vein of teaching on the subject of faith that we've been in over the last few months has been a vein that's, that's focused on a, a seam, if you will, like a, a coal mining. I, I've never been in a coal mine, but I understand that you dig through a lot of rock and earth and then you hit a seam of coal. You know, it's... And, and, and you dig that, that out and you work that uh, seam. And so 
you know, as we're as we're mining into all the Bible says about faith, um, we're in a in a seam in a, in a vein of of understanding what the Word of God says when it comes to using our faith as an instrument, using it as a tool um, to solve problems, to move mountains, to receive into our life reality what God's grace has already given to us. Um, and so that's, that's what we've been locked in on. And, and clearly we see that faith is a key factor in receiving from God. As a matter of fact, he says that it's, we receive by faith and it has to be based upon faith in order for it to be grace. And so we spent some time on that. I'm not going to try to review those things tonight. Now, last Wednesday evening, for those of you who were here, um, I asked a question, and, and that question is, are you satisfied with the results your faith is producing in your life? Okay, are you satisfied with the results your faith is producing in your life? And while I'm thankful, and, and, and it, it's, again, kind of interesting how careful it, you seem to have to be when teaching on these things, because, you know, some folks may hear me say personally, I am not satisfied with the results my faith is producing in my life. And, I'm, and I mean that. Personally, I'm not. But I have to be careful there because I don't want anybody to think that I'm not grateful. I'm, I am so grateful. Matter of fact, let, let me, I, I don't, amen. Pam and I have been believing God. Others have been believing with us. Amen. We, we believe we received it and we've been in hope and confident expectation and we received a full price offer for our home on uh, Monday. Um, and so again, that, that's faith. I, Lord, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that's faith is, is, is receiving and, and we've been, again. So I, I am experiencing in my life results uh, from faith and, and, and by using the faith that God has given me. But I also know that there's a lot more room for growth and there's a lot more potential for all of us um, in these areas. And there's, there's a lot of resistance surrounding this subject. Um, people have a tendency to get very defensive when you dare suggest there's room for improvement in how they operate and, and, and uh, how they utilize the faith that God has given them to receive and I believe this is the enemy tipping his hand. You know, any, anything that, that, you know, is, is a hot button topic, you can just about guarantee it's a very important topic. Another example of this is baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. Amen. I mean, I'm not suggesting you do it, but, um, you know, just bring that up at the water cooler tomorrow at work, right? You know, so, again, it's, it's a lot of resistance around it, and it's the enemy tipping his hand because of the importance um, of these things. Because you in Christ and in faith are the devil's worst nightmare. 
So no wonder there's so much blindness, confusion, and ignorance surrounding faith and its proper use in our lives to solve problems, move mountains, and receive into our life realities what Father's grace has already given to us. The Holy Spirit spoke to us a a few Wednesday nights ago, and He said, look, you know, faith will move mountains, but you can't forget that the enemy likes those mountains where they are. He he doesn't want those mountains moved. He, He worked a long time to get those mountains there. And so the idea that he's just going to roll over and play dead when you start speaking to it um, is, is not accurate. Now, at, at some point, and it's going to be tonight, um, I want to share with you um, this word that, that surfaced in my heart um, several weeks ago. Now, I like words. Anybody that knows me knows that I like words. I love to do word studies. I, I love to break down word origins. I... Uh, I used to do all that with a whole bunch of books on my desk. Now I can do it with a keyboard, and I've got some really nice computer software and things of that nature. Um, and then, those of you who've listened to me preach and teach over the years, you know that um, I'm not beyond creating a word. Uh, but a lot of times when I do that, it's by accident. Amen. <laughs> In other words, I don't mean to do it. Um, and uh, my, um, my English teacher in high school who went on to be high school principal. It turns out that um, she's sister-in-law to uh, a man that the Lord has brought back into my life after, I don't know, nearly 30-something years. Um, uh, It's a gentleman that owns uh, some Chick-fil-A restaurants. And of course, I did not work for him, but I knew him. And he went to school with my dad. And and, um, so he actually got a copy of, of, of my book and, um, and read it and had some really kind things to say about it. And the whole time I was thinking after I published that book that I would like to try to get a hold of my high school English teacher and, and let her know that, you know, one of your students actually wrote a book, you know. And it, and it turns out that Mr. Jackson is my high school English teacher's brother-in-law. I had no idea. And, um, and he said, hey, you know, I shared your book with, um, I think her name's Kay Johnson now. It's Kay Lindsay when she was my teacher. He says, and, uh, and she said to tell you hello. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? Um, and so, but sometimes, like, I'm thinking about her when I'm butchering the English language, you know? I'm like, I'm almost like I want to apologize to her, you know? It's like, you didn't fail me, Miss, Miss Lindsay. It's just me. Amen. Praise God. But... I really believe that the Holy Spirit, knowing my love for words, gave me this word, okay? Now, if you've ever heard this word or found this word or seen this word anywhere else before now, please tell me, okay? Because as far as I'm concerned, um, until the Holy Spirit said it to me, it's never been said, okay? And I know that's a big statement, obviously somebody somewhere. But... Again, it's a fabricated word. If you ask me where it is in the Bible, it's not in the Bible, okay? Um, but the word is faithmatics. Faithmatics. And I'm going to try tonight in the, in the few minutes that we have left to explain this word. Now, when this word faithmatics, I believe the Holy Spirit whispered it into my spirit, I was, I was praying and meditating on some things pertaining to faith. And I felt like what the Holy Spirit was saying to me was that 
one of the issues that people have in, in being able to release their faith and then endure in faith until they receive the promise into their possession is that they haven't done the math. That they haven't done the math. And, and so as, as I was meditating on that, because again, the idea is, is that it's one thing to, to have the answer to a math problem, but it's another thing to know how to work that problem. And, and we said last Wednesday night, it, it would be like the guy who just wrote down 12 numbers on his paper and hand, you know, copied it off of his buddy's homework and handed it in to the teacher. And she's going to want to know how you got those answers or, or what's the expression, show your work. Remember those tests? Show your work. All right? And so I think a lot of times what happens with, with folks is they hear somebody else's faith answer and they just begin to step out on that. But there's no real substance in their heart. In other words, they, they haven't searched the Scriptures for themselves. They, they haven't really taken the time. And we have a list, uh, 101, I think, Scriptures, uh, that just what the Bible has to say about healing. Um, but again, it's like we heard Pastor Mark talk about healing, so we're going to believe God for healing. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong, but remember, the enemy's going to challenge you on that. When you start saying the answer, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, the enemy's going to call you to the chalkboard of life and ask you to show the work. He, he's going to ask you to back that up. And I think that's where a lot of people, they, 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 they stand in faith briefly, but the Bible talks about when the pressure is applied, when persecution comes because of the word's sake, that, that they, they cave in. And so this was what was going on in my heart. These were the things that the Lord was showing me when he gave me this word. And so I just I wrote it down real fast and and just kind of moved on to some other things, and then he brought it back to my attention a little while later, and so I, I began to, to dig into it. Now, obviously, faithmatics sounds something like mathematics. And are you okay? Is this, right, amen, I'm, I'm feeling a little awkward right now, okay, but amen. So, mathematics is, is a compound word, and I'll put it up on the screen for you. Mathematics comes from the word mathema and the suffix uh, matos or matos. All right? Now, let's talk about mathema first because this was very interesting to me. I had no idea this was where this word came from. Mathema comes from the Greek word, the same Greek root manthano, from which we get our English word, disciple. As a matter of fact, the transliteration of the Greek, um, in other words, if you transliterate the Greek alphabet into the English um, rendering, um, a, a male disciple is a mathetes or a mathetes, and a female disciple is a mathetria. 
And it means someone who puts forth an intense effort to learn. Okay? So that's the idea of, and again, it begins M-A-T-H. And so when we talk about mathema, we're talking about another Greek word that means learning. That means learning. Okay? Now, what has happened over the years is mathema has come as far as we're concerned, it, it has to do with learning numbers or learning um, arithmetic, mathematics, right? But it originally meant all kinds of learning. Are you with me? There's, a, there's an English word called a polymath. Anybody ever heard of a polymath? A polymath is somebody who loves to learn across a broad spectrum of subjects. Okay? So you know how some people really enjoy uh, English. Other people really enjoy science. Uh, Bethany loves biology, okay? And then I had friends in school that really loved math. Matt's, again, my brother Matthew is an electrical engineer. He loves math, okay? Um, so we think of, of, of someone in mathematics just like being numbers only. But it, the word used to mean, again, just learning in general. And then this suffix matos, matos, all right? When we go from Greek to English, it becomes matic, M-A-T-I-C, all right? Now, this word means, are you ready? It means willing to perform, okay? So, mathematics or mathematos, this would be someone who is willing to learn. Come on now. Someone who is... And, and, and so you start digging into this word deeper. It doesn't just mean like, okay, I like to learn. No, it's somebody who is not just willing to learn, but who is eager to learn, who, who, who is one of those students that just, it just, it's like you can't learn enough. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a willingness, there's an eagerness to learn. So again, willing to perform. So mathematics, math meaning learning, uh, matics means willing to perform, willing to perform learning, willing to learn. Yes? Somebody's already gotten ahead of me now, okay? So, as I begin to piece these things together, again, I believe the Lord's speaking to me, showing me some things here. Faithmatics, then, got a little more to it than this. It, it would literally mean, then, faith performing. Can I time out right here? Automatos. Automatic. Okay? It literally means self-performing. Right? Matic means willing to perform, auto meaning self, self-performing. It happens automatically. Are you seeing this? Okay. Ah, praise God. Amen. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> oh, praise God. It's all right. Amen. Are you with me? <laughs> all right, here we go. Amen. I'm, I'm over it. I'm good right now. All right. So, faith matics then would, would be a literally translated, it would be faith performing. Okay? But, but, if you take this word perform and you dig deeper into it, it means, oh, thank you, Jesus. It means to carry out and accomplish, carry something out and accomplish according to an established manner. To carry out and accomplish according to an established manner. So, faithmatics then would, would, would say, we're going to carry out and accomplish 
by the established manner of faith. Perform, the word perform simply defined means to get it done. Come on now. We're learning how to get it done by faith. We're learning how to accomplish some things not by working our fingers to the bone. We're learning how to accomplish some things by believing God, by trusting Him, by putting our faith to work for us, by, by, by letting faith solve the problem for us, by believing that God has provided for us and now we're going to trust Him and we're going to do it His way. That's, that's what I love about this, this word, uh, faithmatics, and, and, and the idea of performing meaning to carry out and accomplish by an established manner. You see, faith is not random scandal. Faith is not any old way you want to do it. It's an established manner, so established that Abraham left footprints we can follow. It's an established manner of faith. In other words, there's a way to do it right and there's a way to do it wrong. So, what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us with this word, faithmatics, is, is, this, is if you kind of start putting it all together, we're talking about an attitude of the heart that's, that, that, that's a readiness, a willingness, an eagerness to learn, think, and do things by faith. Let's go back, and some of you weren't here for that, but let's go back because we, we said a few weeks ago, Brother Jerry Goblin said, if I thought it was three weeks, it was probably six weeks ago. Whatever you think it was, double it, right? And he's probably right about it. It's probably more than a few weeks ago. But we, we said that we, we needed to understand faith both as an, an art form, but also as as a, as a discipline. In other words, artistic in the sense that it's from the heart, it's creative, it's, it's not something you can necessarily put in a box, but at the same time, there, there's, there's a skill that's associated with faith that we can practice, that we can go, get good at. Just the skill of faith without the heart of faith is not going to produce results, but the heart of faith without knowing how to release faith, or as the Bible has taught us, the established manner of faith, with the heart we believe, right? With the mouth we confess. In other words, that's something that... In other words, there's a, there's a machinery involved in that. There's a skill involved in that. Certainly you believe with the heart, and, 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 and that's, that's hard to quantify. That's hard to, to define. It, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not one of those things you can just checklist off, right? So that part of faith has to be there, but it's, it's not either or. It's both and. It's both an art form and a skill, that, that, and so, so, again, I'm trying to help you understand what this, this concept of faithmatics. Faithmatics. See, a lot of times we think in terms of math as just being purely skill. But when you start getting to the upper levels of math, my friend, you, you start breaking into a whole other realm. And I'm telling you that by faith, because I certainly don't know it by personal experience. But amen. I have a dear friend who's a also a math, has a math major, Graham Bufford, some of you know him. And so, you know, it, it, it becomes even an art form. It's beautiful. 
I mean, again, not that I have framed math problems on my wall, but, but math, I'm talking about arithmetic numbers now, okay? All right, let me get back here focused. I can't believe what time it is. Are you good? Let's, let's go to Matthew 17. Amen. Matthew 17. Praise God. Are you picking up what I'm putting down on faith, Maddox? Okay. If it's corny to you, just love me through it, okay? Amen. Um, sometimes when we look at um, fields of study, architecture, you know what I'm saying? Um, there, there, there are, let me, maybe this will help you, okay? I want to become a faithmetician. I think that might have helped you better than anything I've said so far about this. I want to become a faithmetician. Where, where I, 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 I am, have learned and have experienced and practiced the art and the skill, and I've, I've grown in these things. I've, I'm eager to learn it. I'm willing to learn it. I'm hungry to learn it. Um, I'm, 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 it's, it's, it's involving my thinking. It's involving my, my effort and my action. And, and um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Amen. All right, Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. One translation said he was healed. He was healed from that very hour. Let me, I, I'm trying to get to a certain point, but let me just comment here, all right? We see there were times when people would present with physical you know, symptoms of a physical illness and Jesus would cast the devil out of them. And then there were other times when people would present with what seemed to be classic demonic, you know, possession and Jesus would pray for healing for them. And, and you know what I'm saying? So you, you can't say every sickness is demonic possession no more than you can say every person that... Like, I, I know there was a, well, I'm going to go out of store, but anyway, just we've dealt with these things in the past. Not every person that, that would present, like you think, oh, man, now she's demon-possessed. No, no, not necessarily. That's why you got to have discerning of spirits. Amen. And Jesus obviously operated in these gifts. So, um, <clears throat> where are we? And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured healed from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible 
for you. All right? Now, um, praise God. So, if we go from the art form side of faith to the skill side of faith, what, what we see here is, um, is the ability to troubleshoot um, when a situation is not turning out as it should. And this was one of those situations where it did not go as it should have gone. And thank God Jesus came in and he caught the disciples slack, so to speak, and took care of the situation. But if you've read this account, it's clear that Jesus expected and intended for them to, to handle this. It was well within the scope of what he had modeled for them, um, taught them, and empowered them to do themselves. As a matter of fact, we see that they have they had cast out demons themselves before, all right? But in this particular situation, they told the demon tormenting the little boy to leave, and the demon didn't go. Wow. And so they come to Jesus after it's all over, and, Jesus, and, and they're like, hey, Jesus, you know, what, what happened this afternoon? You know, we, why couldn't we cast the devil out and then you did cast it out? What, what's the difference here? And Jesus said, um, because of your unbelief. Now, let me just, I'm going to close all this up, okay? Matter of fact, won't you stand? Amen. I know it's, it's late and, and amen. I, I, I got to get this little part to you though. And so maybe that'll help us all focus here for just another minute. In this particular story, there's a word that the Holy Spirit just, it's, it's like he's highlighting it. It's like I'm sitting there looking at this and reading this. And I'm wanting to get to other parts of the story, and he keeps bringing me back to the word perverse. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Jesus, surely you understand that that word means something a little different in our day than it meant, you know, in your day. And, you know, certainly, clearly he wasn't calling these men perverts. You know, that's not what he's saying. But he said it was perverse. So when you dig back into that, word perverse, what you see here is the events that unfolded that day, when Jesus said they were perverse, he's saying that it was a misrepresentation. That the events of that day made it look like something that it was not. That it, it gave the wrong impression. It, it, it painted a picture that was not accurate as to how 
things should have been and, and how these things. So in other words, this word, again, it may, it may make you a little uncomfortable. When he said um, faithless, it literally means unbelieving. They had faith, but they weren't using it. They refused to believe. Unbelieving and perverse, distorted. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you were just a bystander that day. Now, you, maybe you know this man, maybe you don't. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not. Maybe you were just there because you were you know, trying to pick up a loaf of bread and some milk for your family and all this went down in the marketplace or what have you. And you just happened to watch you know, this guy come in, the, the little boy being tormented by the demons, them asking this group of men to, to cast this devil out, and they did whatever they did, however they did it, I rebuke you, I command you, I don't know what exactly they said, but obviously Jesus had taught them well, and, and, and then nothing happened, and they're looking at each other, and they're looking at the man, and the man's getting frustrated, it's kind of getting awkward, are you, are you following what I'm saying? And you're just sitting there watching all this happen. When Jesus said perverse, what he's saying is what you saw go down that day is a complete misrepresentation of what should have happened. And here's the amazing thing about it. Are you ready? People to this day still have the wrong impression. <laughs> People to this day still based on the account in this story, they have this idea that somehow demons don't leave every time you tell them to go. You see what I'm saying? In other words, it, we, I'm not saying we, but a lot of people still think wrong about casting out devils based upon what went down that afternoon, even though Jesus came in. One account of this says that when Jesus walked up, the, the demon threw the little boy on the ground and started... You know, and Jesus was like, man, how long has he been doing that? You know, Jesus wasn't rattled by it. I think that was kind of, don't you think, Matt, that was, I think the disciples were like, they were fixing to cast the devil out of that boy, and all of a sudden that little boy hits the floor and starts flopping around, hollering and screaming and, and, and all that. And they're like, oh, you know, what are we going to And then other people like watching, like, yeah, what y'all going to do? And kind of, anyway, but it got him into unbelief. It got him into unbelief. Now, when we say troubleshoot, um, Pastor Marcos did some troubleshooting on the heating units for this building on Friday, him and dear friend of this house, Johnny Weekly. And so, in other words, the problem is, the, the result is they're not coming on, there's no heat in the building. And if you understand HVAC, I don't, but obviously Pastor Marcos does. But yeah, they, He's like, if it's he was kind of explaining it to me. If this is happening, then it means this. But if this is not happening, then it means that. Notice, what is he doing? He's, he's identifying systematically where it's breaking down so he'll understand what needs to be fixed. Troubleshooting it so he can fix it. Are you following me? Okay. All right. So this is what's happening here with, with um, uh, so actually, somebody say igniter. Did I hear Anyway, one of them was an igniter, right, Mark? And one of them was a pressure switcher. Anyway, praise God. That's... So, this is what's going on here. The furnaces should have kicked on, but it, they didn't that day publicly. In other words, the, the, the demon didn't come out. 
thank God for these men who were humble enough to say, hey, Jesus, where, where did we miss it? Why could you do it and we couldn't? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. In other words, faith behind what they did will remove the devil every time. <laughs> every time. All right, praise God. I've had you standing now too long. Are you good? Are you getting anything out of this? All right. You interested in being a faith magician? All right. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that we can have fun and learn and enjoy our time together. Lord, thank you for every person in this room. But, Lord, especially tonight, thank you for our beautiful young people. Lord, thank you that, that our ceiling of faith is becoming their floor. Lord, that, that they're taking what we've learned as adults and they're building and, and taking this this life of faith and this life of serving you and this life of knowing you and, and running with it, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. I thank you, Father, for your patience with us. And I thank you, Father, that you're helping us to grow and be strong in our faith. And, and, and Lord, that we might please you more, that we might bear more fruit for you, and that we might experience in our life reality more and more of what you've already given to us and what already belongs to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow, thank you for being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck.